Somebody tweeted right before they announced Jody. All of us were just online refreshing with fervor because all the rumors were awful about who was going to be the new doctor. And then somebody tweeted, whose stupid idea was it to love a show where the main character dies every three seasons? And I was like, that is this fandom in a nutshell. All right, fam. Let's try that again. <sighs> What's good, fam? This is the Queer Archive, a queer and feminist Doctor Who podcast. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Brenna. And this week, we're talking about Face the Fucking Raven. <laughs> Better, but also worse episode. Yes. In the best way possible. Yeah. Yeah. Let's grab a box of tissues, attempt to keep the snot from running all over our faces, and pull to open to talk about how fucking sad this episode is. What a banging opener, right? It's so good. It Just goes so fast. Sets it up perfectly. The embarrassed look on Clara's face when she's talking to Riggsy on the phone. Oh, God. <laughs> she really thinks that Riggsy called the doctor to get a tattoo removed yeah. and she's like oh shit what have I done what do, I do? Yeah. <laughs> everything's fine everything's fine doctor it's chill we really can't go back down your timeline <laughs> <laughs> oh precious Rixie there's also a lot of beautiful shots in the TARDIS itself yeah in that opening scene that you get to see a few parts of the console that we don't normally see yeah or at least maybe just from different angles because a lot of the lighting allowed you to see some of the different colorings yeah the goo that the Clark telepathic puts, circuits yeah, yeah in her hands in a couple of times that's like rainbow in this episode yeah. which is beautiful and just a few things that i didn't notice before yeah honestly this whole opening scene everything is just beautiful and fun and i love these two but no of course this is doctor who so there must be suffering. Yes. <laughs> this is a bad sign in Doctor so Who. Yeah. If everything is going right, you're like, oh, fuck, what's going to yeah, happen, I was right? just going to say, if you're having a good time, that means something terrible is right around the corner we for you. We can't enjoy one moment. No. No. But this is, I guess this is the first episode with the velvet jacket, which is like, the, I think of that as his look. Yeah. But it it's so late. It takes a long time to get there, but yeah. I mean, it was worth the wait. It is. You know? Yeah. I mean, he changes looks up so much, so it wasn't like he was wearing the same thing up until the velvet jacket. It was actually switching it up. Maybe it's because Heaven Sent is his most iconic episode, and he wears the velvet jacket in that. And he actually calls attention to his outfit a lot because he's changing it. It has, like, a beautiful shot in front of the fireplace. Yeah. So Sarah Dollard is a huge nerd and also snuck a bunch of Easter eggs in this episode. Bless you, Sarah. Yeah. I guess they use retcon a bunch on Torchwood, which is cute. And the Jadoon appear as policemen, which makes me laugh. <laughs> LMAO. Let's see what you did there. Plus, um, we get Riggsy. Fuck yeah. Thank you so much for bringing Riggsy back. It was the perfect decision for this episode. And it would have been such a shame if all we got of Riggsy was in Flatline. Yeah. I loved him in Flatline, and yeah. I'm so glad they brought him back. He was just a perfect reoccurring character that the audience already loves so much, and... Just freaking nailed it. Yeah. He Plus, also gets to fly yeah. <laughs> he gets to fly the TARDIS, he which does. I don't remember, but I was like, because he's flying the TARDIS. It's because we hardly ever watch this episode because it's, it's so fucking sad. A little bit traumatizing. It's so good, but it's so sad. Yeah. 
We also get to see Briggsy's family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, technically, I don't think we get to see Jen. Actually, no, she Jen has is a cut mentioned. Scene. She has She's a cutscene, which we will talk about later, I believe. Yeah, and we get to see Lucy. Yeah, I want more adventures through some kind of medium. I don't care if it's like written or any other like paratext of adventures with Lucy, Jen, and Rigsy. Mm. So I want more of them. I love that the doctor is like flipping out over Lucy. This is the shit. The adoration <laughs> he has for Lucy is the sweetest thing. Him saying, bring the new human. No, wait, don't. I'll just get distracted. <laughs> I also want Dad. that story. Dad. Yeah. Someone write these fanfics, please. Yes. I'm sure someone has. That's we just true. need to call need to our asses over homework. to an archive of our own. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, Obviously, incredible acting from everybody, of course, but especially Jenna Coleman and Peter Capaldi in this whole episode. Rixie does an amazing job, too. He does. He doesn't get as much (sighs) to do as Jenna and Peter do. I know. I think that's all I had for open stuff. Okay. I think that's all I have, too. So let's pack up and head to the High Council of Gallifrey before we get retconned. All right, we're in the High Council of Gallifrey, so let's talk about the folks that are responsible for this brutal, brutal, beautiful episode. Yeah. So this episode was written by Sarah Dollard, our queen. Long may she reign. All hail. Yes. She also writes Thin Ice and, sadly, not more for Doctor Who yet. Although I hope, back, she, I hope she gets invited back. She writes hell some yeah. supremely balanced scripts. I think this episode is nigh on perfect in terms of pacing. Absolutely. So in an interview with Blockter Who, that's a real website if you didn't know, Sarah said that this episode was actually supposed to happen earlier in the series, but when she submitted the draft, Stephen Moffat came back and said, we love this, we actually love this so much that we think we're going to make it part of the arc at the end of the series. So there were some other revisions, and then it became part of the three-parter finale. Dope. Yeah, and she also talked specifically about why she chose Riggsy. So she was saying the episode has to get on its feet really fast. Mm -hmm. We knew that there was going to be a new like a visitor of the week, but she was saying, because I had so much stuff to get to, it had to be someone that the doctor and Clara would trust immediately and that the audience would trust immediately. And they were like batting around ideas. And then when somebody was like, Riggsy, she was like, fuck yes, Riggsy, because she said she loves him. So that's part of how this came to be. That makes absolute sense. And like, who else could you choose? Riggsy is obviously the perfect choice for that. Also, if you want it, you can read the whole script on the BBC website. Sarah Dollard's scripts are two of the only ones that are available on there. We'll put the link in the show notes. But it's interesting to read through. And actually, sometimes you'll read a script Mm -hmm. and it'll be close, but there'll be big changes because there were changes happening while filming. And this is almost exactly the same. Mm. So that tells me that script was toy from the beginning. Dope. And then this episode was directed by Justin Malotnikov, who only directed this and then that episode that we pretend doesn't exist. Mm, yeah, I, I don't recall. I, I trust you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so only two things that I really have to say about the direction, aside from there are some really, there's some really lovely shots. But the script actually calls for Clara to look terrified and be crying when she goes mm-hmm. out to face the raven. And I, I'm guessing... Yeah, yeah. Nope. I'm guessing that that was partially at least Milotnikov's call to be like, I don't want that. And I'm glad that they did that because I think if she had been crying in like a mess, yeah. 
like she looks like she's starting to fall apart because the script it doesn't say that but it basically indicates that her resolve falters when the doctor is not able to see her anymore yeah and i think that would have undercut what i think is so great about clara's death here that she says no i choose this and i'm gonna do this because it's the bravest thing i know i can do that felt very in character for Clara. Yep. I think if we would have had it otherwise, it would have felt a little off. Yeah. And I also like that there's no audio to the scream for the same reason. Yep. Yep. Well done. Because there's no audio, in some sense, it feels like we're getting a little bit of the perspective of the doctor watching yeah. this. And in that moment, I can imagine just being so overwhelmed that it feels like you know, the world stops and it's spinning and yeah. you can't hear anything. You can't really take in what's happening and, like, your senses are dulled. That, to me, nailed it. Which then also lets Murray Gold's score take the driver's seat in that yep. scene, too. Fucking Murray Gold. Yeah. We have to at least mention the title track, which is absolutely brutal. When he, it's in the middle of that scene right after the doctor's like freaking out and then it breaks into the Clara theme. Oh, I just cry. gold coming through and fucking our shit all the way up this mm-hmm. episode how very dare how very dare indeed well i think we bowed down to our queen sarah dollard enough for now let's fly over to the black archive to talk about how this episode is more gay than expected We are in the Black Archive, the segment full of such dangerous, forbidden, and powerful stuff that even the doctor can't go there. Let's examine things like race, class, sexuality, gender, bodies, and all of this good stuff that makes this world go round. Mm. Gay. This episode? Gay. Yeah. I guess we don't watch it enough to remember all of these lines, but there are so many fucking lines in this particular episode that are like, me? Meet Clara. Yeah. (laughs) I suppose we should expect no less from one of our own, but we do get you're as beautiful as your photographs from me to Clara. She will be under my personal protection. (laughs) Your your conversations are in my diaries. I've read them many times. (laughs) That whole interaction was littered with the gay. And also Clara saying that her and Jane Austen are in a prank war and she says, she's the worst. I love her. Take that however you'd like. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I think there's like two things that I want to talk about in here. Number one, since Trap Street is a refugee resettlement, it's kind of hard not to think about this in conjunction with the Zygons episodes. Right. Yeah. Me says peace on this street relies on one thing to break it in anyways to face the Raven. So just how precarious the situation is for all these refugees and how quickly the benefits of their community could be suspended. Yeah, I clocked that as well. It's it's odd how I don't think that the episode is really self-aware of that connection 
or at least they don't do anything with it. They don't do anything with it. Yeah. It's odd. In one way, they are self-aware because they reference it. She says... Or do you want us out there? Like the Zygons, right? Almost like it's a containment area to keep at-risk communities contained. Not even so much like that they would be in danger out there, but more like the world would be in danger the world, from them. The world would interpret them as a danger, right? She says, would you yeah. rather them be in here or out there? Like the Yeah, Zygons. it could go either way, but I think I remember interpreting it more like they were at risk and they were the vulnerable community being kept safe in a safe space. But this rewatch, it almost felt like the opposite. Like yeah. that they are like this dangerous, rowdy, untrustworthy community that has to be so heavily policed and so heavily watched with these strict-ass rules that can never be broken for the sake of peace and for the sake of keeping the world out there safe from them. Yeah, and look at at the example they use before the chronolock becomes like Clara's problem, that it's an old man who's stolen medical rations for his wife. Yeah. And he's asking her to remove it. And me says, I could, but I won't because you broke the rules and you knew the consequences when you did that. Yeah. So it is really heavily emphasizing how dangerous it is, even though they're on this safe street where everybody can be safe or whatever. That, yeah, that like can be suspended so quickly. There's so much thick, thick tension in the air that anything can go wrong at the drop of a hat. That is one of the reasons why they have to bring someone to justice here because they're saying that if there is no one paying for this death or that someone paid for it in the community, then even that would break the peace and, like, spontaneously combust the whole situation. Rump says if it's not Riggsy, then it's one of us and we can't have that. Yeah. So it has to be him. So it's just like, ooh, damn. Speaking of Riggsy, I think we'd be remiss not to at least acknowledge that Riggsy is a young black man convicted of a crime he didn't commit, and the entire episode makes it look Mm. like he's going to pay the ultimate price for that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That fucking sucks. And I remember that watching it the first time, that I was just like, do we have to do this again? I don't... Bro. I don't feel like the episode does that unthinkingly. Like, it feels like... Based on how the script is constructed, it feels like Sarah Dollard is aware that young black men are often accused of and punished for crimes that they don't commit because of, you know, just racist ass bullshit. And it seems like the script is exploiting that as a reality in the real world to drive up stakes. But that still that still sucks. And I feel like we have to at least acknowledge that that's happening in this script. I totally agree. And the fact the way in which like Riggsy moved through that space being a person that all eyes were on him and he was viewed just extremely suspiciously yeah for all of the reasons that we talked about in our time heist episode yeah just seemed to have like a layer of importance that Riggsy was the person playing that or yeah that it was Riggsy's character being the person with all of the eyes on him yeah. and all this suspicion directed towards him yeah so you were saying earlier it's like a step above time heist because time heist makes a black man get accused of and punished for a crime he didn't commit and he becomes a spectacle. Brain soup, yeah, and he's yep. a spectacle. So this is a little better than that, but that's not great. And also Time Heist made it an unknown, unnamed. An unthinking. Just, like I said, spectacle. And this one 
we actually know Rigsy. He gets a storyline. We get to see things from more of his perspective yeah. rather than an audience watching an execution happen for the public. Yeah. And again, there seems to be a little bit more self-aware of like Rigsy's experience going through this. Which is why this episode definitely does actually pass the DuVernay test. Because we do know Rigsy. He has autonomy. He has interiority. He has will. There's Clemso with the chopsticks in his hair, and that's racist-ass bullshit that somebody needs to be scolded for. But other than that, I mean, this episode is actually giving us several protagonists of color who have desire and will and are trying to figure out how to move through the world safely. More on that later. Yeah, I think, I don't think it, like, strongly passes. I think it technically passes. Uh, I think it passes stronger than Time Heist. Yeah, Time Heist, I can't believe that we let that pass, technically. Again, we are fairly generous with this yeah. test, let's just remind everyone. But I think for Rigsy having a backstory that we already knew and the fact that he's a reoccurring character is a large part of why this is a bigger look into his life and a bigger look into his character mm. that gives him more autonomy. What about Bechtel? It actually passes Bechtel quite well. Yes. I would say, obviously... We get more than one one woman character. We get a reoccurring character, me, who has a pretty good level of interest in, in her character. I don't love me because of the ways they wrote, wrote her. What? It sounded like you were saying, I don't love me. I don't love me. <laughs> um, I don't know how I feel actually about me. Uh, I don't like I, her. I want to love her. I know. I don't like her. I don't like her. But I her think it's good to write interesting women characters that, that you don't I don't like. like. Yes. Right? I think yeah. that's fine. I don't like her because she's mean. Absolutely. She's cruel. Yeah. Even if Clara didn't die, what she does to the doctor here is cruel. Yep. And it seems, especially since at the end of The Woman Who Lived, they'd reached a sort of mutual respect detente. It feels like a step back here for her to become the antagonist again. Mm -hmm. And I feel that way at the end of Hellbent, too, when she comes back and she's like being a little snotty and rude. And some of that's probably tied up in my own internalized sexism because I think that it's, she shouldn't be rude because she's a woman. And that's my problem. That's not the script's problem. That's not Maisie Williams' problem. But I just, I like the doctor and I don't like when people are mean to them. <laughs> that's really what's happening here. And I do that's definitely a hundred percent blame her at least partially for what happens to Clara. I wish that me, we got to see her choosing to be the hero more. Yeah. And in I would this love episode, to see she doesn't choose that. A, a series of shorts or a comic about Trap Street and how she sure. runs it, how yeah. she ended up there, why she stays there. Yeah, I that would probably make me feel a little more sympathetic to her. But yeah, I, I don't liked, like her. I li- this is gonna sound like bullshit because of the rant that we went on a couple episodes ago and that we will bring up again. But I like a shield or not know, me. But that is separate just because we got to see a part of a shielder that we don't get to see from me. Right. Also. And, Call her me. Her name is me. So fuck all the way. In this off. episode, speaking of that, the doctor is back on his a shielder shit. Also, the script calls her a shielder every time she talks. Yes, the script totally does that, which is like, bro, you don't even get your own point. Yeah. Yeah. But it passes Bechdel because there are several <laughs> women characters. They have conversations with each other, not about a man, not about the doctor. And I think the big thing that really makes me feel like it does pass is that. This is a woman dying with autonomy. Clara says, this is my choice. She's the fucking best. Absolutely. Clara's death is perfect. And you know what my choice is? What's that? Moving on to the heart of the TARDIS. Mm. That sounds good. All right. And we can hear a word from our sponsors on the way. Cool. 
This podcast is brought to you by Trap Farm Lurkworms. Built on thousands of years of immortal knowledge, our lurkworms are ethically sourced and bred. With a complicated universe around us, sometimes you need a little assistance to help newcomers adjust. That's where Trap Farm Lurkworms come in. Trap Farm Lurkworms have an impressive telepathic field radius, which places everything in their glow within the compass of the experiences of the people inside. No need for hiding our complicated chameleon circuits. Our lurkworms survive on minimal feed and can best a misdirection circuit any day. Technology has come so far in the last millennia, but sometimes it's best to go old-fashioned. Trust Trap Farm Lurkworms to cast you and your guests in the warm glow of normalized expectations. Okay, Heart of the TARDIS. I don't, I don't know if this episode has any feels to talk about. No, and definitely no, like, central ideas. No. This might be a little pulling teeth um, to, you know, conjure up yeah. some emotion or feelings <laughs> at all. We didn't spend the last ten minutes of this episode sobbing our eyes out. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. I'm cool. Yeah. No, you're crying. Someone <laughs> died tragically that we care about. Yeah, it's totally fine. The doctor didn't hold in oh. tears with that fucking face that he does. And the vein. Oh my god. His eyes are bright red. The vein. I can't. I really cannot handle that face. There's something that really fucks me up about Peter Capaldi's crying without crying mm-hmm. in a way that Matt Smith and David Tennant's really cry because they could both cry real ugly real fast. Yeah. There's something about Peter Capaldi's crying without crying that really fucks me up though. It's a whole new power. <sighs> Anyways, I think there are two major threads that I'm interested in talking about here. Okay. The idea of facing the raven, obviously. That you accept Mm. the consequences of your choices and that that is framed as an act of bravery in this episode. For sure. Can we talk about how Clara's death is the perfect death? Yeah, it really is. Just flawless, so fucking satisfying. Mm -hmm. I want every companion to, like... Get a worthy death like Me that. Too. It is just like this is how you write a companion's death. Yes. This is how they go out. Yeah. And Doctor Who has done this so unbelievably poorly so many other times, Donna. but this one nails it. God, Donna just and really fucking Bill. Me up. Yeah, Bill is messed up. I will never forgive the show no. for that. But this is how a companion goes out with agency and beauty and grace yes. and just like. Oh, meaning so good. this is a death that has meaning even as it is it it was completely avoidable yep in ways it's pointless but it has a full breadth of meaning to it because it is her choice and she says that my fault this is my choice she says this is my choice that's exactly how it should be done yeah <sighs> in many ways it feels like it mirrors a doctor's death mm. and that's why i'm like hell yes because your companions are so important and they play a huge role in this show and in for the doctor's life and for his that regeneration and they should get something that is worthy of that role that they play yeah just like the doctor i have so many things to say about it (laughs) so clara's character is painted as like really reckless towards the end and i think a lot of times it can be found quite annoying yeah that, that she's so reckless and so determined to play doctor i find it not annoying that Clara's quote-unquote recklessness is what kills her in the end because of the exact thing we were talking about is because 
she chooses it. Yes. And Clara chooses both a life with the doctor and to be like the doctor, but she also chooses a death like the doctor. Mm. Do I wish she had more human friends and like general ties to the earth? Yes, yeah. I do. But Moffat doesn't know how to really write like <laughs> family or friends outside of the doctor. Yeah. Um, but she doesn't for one second regret or complain about her fate. And because it was a fate that she chose mm. and she takes full responsibility for it. That's why I'm not so convinced that she's just like, I'm so reckless that I got ahead of myself and I'm in denial about my mortality because when her mortality meets that end, she accepts it Mm. immediately. No questions asked. She's like, I did this. Of course I'm going to go out and face that raven. Why wouldn't I? Why would I make anyone else put themselves in danger? Why would I ask anyone to take that on as a burden? I chose this life. She died saving people because that's the kind of human she wanted to be. Yeah. And that's the thing she says to the doctor, right? I let you get reckless. Why? Why should I be so reckless? You're reckless all the bloody time. Why can't I be like you? I think this episode really dignifies her recklessness in a way. Because the other episodes have been framing her as, like, reckless out of control. And this episode is framing what people have been calling recklessness as her, like, desire to do good and to help other people. Even Mm -hmm. if it is somehow, it's somehow tied up in her self-image and a sense of self-importance. But ultimately what she wants is for people to be the best versions of themselves, including herself. And I think the doctor is one person who really saw the best person that Clara could be. Yeah. And that's why she hung around him so much. Yep. And she saw the best person that the doctor could be. She saw the doctor, the promise, the identity that the doctor promises the world to be. We learn by this doctor, by Capaldi, that the doctor is an identity that he chooses to to walk in. It's like sometimes. a choice. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because it's a choice, he chooses not to sometimes. Yeah. By the way, I fucking love the line when he's like, The doctor, the doctor is no longer here. You are stuck with me. And I will end you and everything you love. Fuck yes. That and was his delivery is so good. Oh, <laughs> yes, so good. But that's the very thing that we learned from Capaldi and his doctor yeah. is that, hey, that's a verb. I can choose to walk in this or not. And that's why Clara gets to have the same choice. Why can't any human or companion also choose to be their version of the doctor yeah. and choose to use their life to help people. And so, yeah, I'm okay to see a companion, especially a woman companion, get to be a hero like that and get to have a doctor's death because of that. It reminds me of Neville in Deathly Hallows. We just read this chapter where when they finally come back to Hogwarts, Harry, Hermione, and Ron are kind of shocked by how Neville appears. And Neville's like, well, I learned how to do this Because I saw how people responded when you would do it, Harry, and you're not here. And we still need people to feel inspired and feel hope. So I'm going to I'm going to claim that identity as mine now, because why wouldn't I? And Clara's doing the same thing. Like, yes, of course, it is tied up in some other stuff. But mostly Mm -hmm. when Clara's doing playing the doctor, she's doing it because she is trying to get the right thing to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Not only Jedi's can be force sensitive. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And also this episode is building on what this season, what this series has been exploring with what does it mean to be friends and what are our responsibilities to our friends. I think a lot about the back and forth between... Fellow, there's nothing special about me. I am nothing, but I'm less breakable than you. I should have taken care of you. I never asked you to. You shouldn't have to ask. But Clara's... So just 
deciding about if your friends, especially if you're doing something dangerous like you are when you're with the doctor, yeah. how much, what is my duty of care? That's how this yep. series really plays with that. But also Clara's faith in who the doctor can be when he chooses to, right? We were just talking about this, that they are friends who see the best and the worst in each other, but that they both see all of that potential and spur each yep. other on to being the best version of themselves. Yep. When Clara says your reign of terror would end at the side of the mm -hmm. first crying child and you know it. And he says, I don't know that. And she goes, I do. She does. Damn. Yeah. They know each other so well, which is what I love that they're like, I'm not in denial about who you are. Like, I fucking know the worst of who you could be, but I act towards you and expect you to be the best of yeah. who you could be. So I expect you to be the doctor. Yes. And I expect you, Clara, to be fucking brave because that's who you are. Yeah. Like when she says, hey, this isn't you. Stop playing soldier. Mm -hmm. And then in this episode, wherever she is sending you, she says, I know what you're capable of. You don't be a warrior. Promise me. Be a doctor. What's the point of being a doctor if I can't cure? Heal yourself. You have to. You can't let this turn you into a monster. So I'm not asking you for a promise. I'm giving you an order. Oh, yeah. And then she flips it and she's like, oh, but I'm going to use some warrior language on you. Yeah. Oh, my God. When she says heal yourself. I know. <laughs> he says, oh. well, heal yourself. <laughs> oh, that kills me. You. Every fucking line of this stupid interaction is just so beautiful and so perfect. I hate it. Yeah. You're going to be alone now. I hate yeah. it so much. Sorry about it, though. You're going to be furious, and you're going to be sad. But listen to me. Don't let this change you. <laughs> you will not insult my memory. There will be no revenge. I will die, and no one else here or anywhere will suffer. What about me? If there's something I could do about that, I would. Guess we're both just going to have to be brave. Flawless. This scene is in my top 10, well, top 13 favorite Doctor Who moments because it is so perfectly balanced. It acknowledges how terrible what's happening is, but also really leans into the stuff that I think is so good about the Clara 12th Doctor pairing, that they are friends who see each other, know each other, and they really drive each other to be their best selves. If I hadn't already lost my shit up until this particular line, you know what line always fucking gets me? Where I'm just like, I can't, I Which can't line? anymore. <laughs> Tell me. You stay here. And Clara's looking at the doctor. And everybody does this alone. And says, Clara. This is as brave as I know how to be. This is as brave as I know how to be. Ooh. I know it's going to hurt you, but please be a little proud of me. He takes her hand and kisses it. <laughs> Oh. Ah. <laughs> Fuck me up. <laughs> this is why we never watch this. It's so good and it's so sad. It's in my top 10 episodes, too. Yeah. Yeah. Goodbye, Doctor. This whole scene would be in our <laughs> top three. It is in our top three, which is a top five, because the whole thing's practically perfect. Okay, so I know there's a lot of fucking good speeches in Doctor Who. I'm not going to lie. On my list of personal favorites, first of all, Clara Oswald has, like, the first top three. <laughs> <laughs> I 
The doctor has some great many speeches, but so does fucking Clara. Yeah. And I think this may be my favorite. Mm. With how fucking sad it is, it's still my favorite. Yeah. It just hits the right notes. It's just satisfying. Oh, man. I'm so fucking mad that we watch a show where so many goddamn people die. <laughs> it's like the but base it's they premise. have to die. <laughs> it's the base premise of the show. <laughs> because after this, we get Heaven Sent, oh. which is... So- Again, beautiful so good. and full of such profound pain and grief and reflection. Everything's fine. It's going I'm great. Fine. Yeah. It's just, it's great. <laughs> this is why this season hits so hard. Yeah. This is why this season, it doesn't always have bangers, but there are some but really fucking great moments. Once it puts its foot on your neck, it does not lift again. Not relent. No. <laughs> okay. <sighs> Everything's fine. Shall we yeah. achieve some catharsis by sending something to a crack in time and space? I need to send something to the okay. crack in time and space. What are we sending this week, Caitlin? Okay. I need to send the fact that Anna, one of the Janus refugees in the settlement, is there because she escaped slavery. Mm. So two black women as an alien species from another world, possibly another galaxy or universe... Still facing slavery. <laughs> Seems unnecessary. Why do we do this? Why are y'all like this? Yeah. Why are we like this? Could we imagine for once maybe a world without slavery? Yeah. Also, this isn't the place to say it, but we're saying it anyways. That's Shuri. Shuri! <laughs> I don't even know what her name is on here because she's Shuri. Always will be. Always was. Letitia Wright. Anyways. No, I didn't mean like her real name. Yeah. I meant her name here. Oh, they call her... Anna son. Because she's the son of Anna. Mm-hmm. Anyways, as to Anna being a one of the Janus people who's on the run from slavery and is also still a black woman, by Ronimo to that. Bitch. What about top three? We may have more than three. Yes. But here we go. Obviously, her whole damn speech. Yes, naturally. Every second of that. We're just going to make that an obvious choice. Yes. I love the doctor. This isn't funny, but I just love it because he's a good little boy and I love it. When he's realized that it's a quantum shade and he goes over and picks up his cards and starts flipping through them because he's trying. Rigsy's like, what's he doing? And Clara goes, he's making an effort to be nice because he is our good boy who's learning. Yeah. His face. Everyone's face. When he's like, Clara, please see what I'm doing right now because he's like. He looks up at her and's like, hmm. Can you see I'm trying? Please help me, though, because I'm not quite there. How, how do you tell someone yes. they're going to die in yeah. a nice way? Like, I don't get you humans, like, why you have to say this, but I'm really trying here. Yeah, and even the next moment after he starts to say, look, Riggsy, and Riggsy goes, no, no, don't call me Riggsy. Call me fluorescent brain, pudding Anything. brain, anything. Yeah, please. That's It's just a great line. Yeah. Or a great set of lines. Yeah. I liked... As they are getting ready to play good cop, bad cop. (laughs) And the doctor's asking, why can't I be the good cop? We've discussed this, your face, obviously. (laughs) I also love when they're running to the stasis pod and the the raven cause. (laughs) And he goes, you shut up, we've got ten minutes, as they're running past. (laughs) It's really good. This is a good shit. Some needed, very necessary, cathartic laughter. Comic relief, yeah. Oh, God. Okay. How you feel? I think I think that's all I've got. I think that's it for this week. We have to go cry more. Yeah. Uh, next week we'll be talking about the peak, the best, the best baby, 
Heaven sent. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Archive Pod. We want to hear from you, your thoughts, and all your fucking feels on this episode. Mm. And please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice because it really does help other queerdos find us. Until next time. Be gay. Cry your eyeballs out. Yeah. Tune on your speakers and please be my doctor, whoever. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yes, sir. Yeah.